The Longhorn Confidential Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by our neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. Hello, Texas fans. This is the Longhorn Confidential for Thursday, February 20th. I'm Danny Davis of the Austin American Statesman. As always, Mike Craven is in the house, heading to my left. Mike, say hello to the people. Hello, everybody. How's it going? All right, Mike. Um, like we said last week, we're going to kind of do a new series over these next couple of weeks as we're in kind of a weird area on the recruiting calendar, but we're going to kind of break down positions um, each week, an offensive and a defensive um, position. Last week, we did quarterbacks and defensive linemen. This week, it's all about the running backs and the linebackers. So if you're really into those two two positions, man, do we have a podcast for you. Position for men. (laughs) Uh, Let's start with the running backs. Uh, 2021 class so far, Texas does not have any commits at that position. Um, There's obviously a couple a good guys are looking at on the roster in 2021 assuming everyone stays which you know it's hard to pr- project but Keontae Ingram would be a senior Roshan jo- Johnson would be a junior assuming he's still at Texas and is still a running back uh, Bajon Robinson would be a sophomore we're assuming he plays this upcoming yep. Yep. season so he'd be a sophomore um, the big question here is Darian Brown uh, young gentleman was in last year's class had a pretty scary uh, you know I guess we'd Brain aneurysm. Brain aneurysm, how would you describe it? So he was able to come to campus um, this year. Was It'll be around the team, but obviously wasn't practicing, wasn't doing any you know, contact stuff. Um, what have you heard about his future, and what impact does that have on recruiting in the future? Because, you know, if he's a uh, – if last year was used as his red shirt or maybe gets a medical red shirt for mm-hmm. last year and red shirts this year, I mean, that essentially means he'd be a 2021 commit, and maybe that would impact what Texas wants to take going forward. How does his kind of status impact what Texas is going to do in the future? Yeah, I, I think Darian Brown is a, a big piece of the puzzle. You know, we kind of forget he was a four-star out of Georgia that a lot of teams wanted in the SEC. Texas was able to get him um, in that same class where they signed a, a few players from that area. And, yeah, he had an unfortunate incident uh, with his stroke, and he's battled back, and he seems optimistic about his future. You know, it may not be this year. Like you said, he may sit out another year. And towards the end of his career, he can apply that first year as a medical and then this next year as a red shirt. Uh, but then Rashawn Johnson staying at the position, too. Uh, that's another piece that Herman and the staff wasn't counting on that's now a scholarship at that uh, position. So if they feel good about Darian Brown, if the doctors are saying he's going to be available eventually, and then you know, you know, Bajon Robinson, Rashawn Johnson, Keontae Ingram are there, you have Jordan Whittington kind of there if you want him to be. Uh, I think they can be really picky at 2021 and really just go after one or two guys that they really like and 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 be more about quality than quantity at that position because it's it's gone from a room that didn't have much depth you know this time last year to one of their stronger positions on paper going into next season. Speaking of being picky, who does Texas have their eyes on? I think in a lot of interviews with recruits um, in this 21 this 2021 class that you've done. Um, the name LJ Johnson seems to keep popping up mm. and up. It seems like he seems to be the guy that the coaches, the players are targeting. Uh, obviously, the media knows knows about him. Is he the guy? Is it LJ Johnson or Bust? Or are there a couple other names that you know we should be familiar with? Yeah, you know, I don't know if it's LJ Johnson or Bust, but he's definitely the number one priority in this class. And you can always get a straight answer from the players because if the players are spending time recruiting another player, it's legit. That school really wants them. And to a man at that junior day in January, 
uh, everyone, when asked, you know, kind of who are you trying to get, you know, to come with you on this class, they would mention LJ Johnson. He's a running back out of Cypher. He's got legit track speed. You know, I don't know if he's as fast as, as Jamal Charles, but that's the comparison about that same size coming out of high school. Uh, but there are a couple other guys um, in the state. Kamar Wheaton out of Lakeview. Uh, he's, he's a really good player, Garland area. Uh, considered the number one running back in the state by most people. And then Jonathan Brooks out of Hallettsville. You know, Texas has had a really good, uh, really good success recruiting East Texas since Herman's been here. Uh, that would be another one for them. So I think the ideal running cl- running back class is L.J. Johnson and Brooks. You know, bringing those two guys in and being able to stash them a little bit, I think, is the ideal uh, situation because you have to think of Bajan as a three year rental. Mm-hmm. You know, if he is what everyone thinks he's going to be, he's going to be gone after his junior year. So you really need to start. We talked about Darian Brown and his status. You really need to start building that depth behind these guys. When you talk about um, the running backs as a state, as a whole in the state, you know, starting with L.J. Johnson, how would you rate this position group? This, you know, obviously, the 2020 class had some had some ballers in it. You mm-hmm. know, Zachary Evans, whatever happens to him, he was still a really good right. recruit. The kid up at Alito, um, you know, he was really, you know, obviously they they loved having him in their backfield. How would how does the 2021 class stack up at that running back position? It, it's not what it was in 2020. And recruiting cyclical. There's always going to be a few positions in one class that are great, and other ones are, are lacking, and then they'll switch within a year. You know, running back last year in the state was absurd. You had Jace McClellan, Zach Evans, Seth McGowan, uh, EJ, uh, Emmett Smith's younger son, young son was part of that. EJ Smith. Um, so you had a you know I think I had five running backs in the top thirty or thirty five of the Fab fifty five in twenty twenty. I think there's that many total on this year's you know Fab fifty five. So not a down year for running back, but definitely not the depth of talent. And that's what makes guys like L J Johnson so important. Is if you can't get L J Johnson, the drop off is a little bit bigger, and now you're forced to to go out of state, and you can't always count on landing five stars out of Arizona to, to be your running back. Oh, it's it's baseball season, so I'm going to actually throw a curveball at you. Um, question I had not uh, talked to you beforehand about that I just kind of thought about. You know, when we talk about Rashawn Johnson and what he did this past year, you know, he was recruited as a quarterback, had a lot of success in high school as a quarterback, but his future as, you know, the Texas coaches see it is in the backfield, and that's what they've kind of explained to him. Do you think his success may change how maybe not just Texas, but how other schools, maybe they're not recruiting the guy who's projected as a running back, but you know they see an athlete or they see a quarterback or they see a wide receiver who has abilities to run. They'd be like, maybe I can just mold him. And he may not be a running back for his high school team, but we see maybe we can change him once we you know get on campus. Maybe they start looking at athletes over running back per se. Yeah, I think we're already starting to see that with guys like Alvin Kamara having huge NFL, you know, impacts with that Tariq Cohen, you know, those kind of guys who, you know, weren't 20 years ago. You know, 20 years ago, we wanted our running backs to be 220 pounds, carry the ball 25 times and be like those grinders that get better as the game goes on. Uh, Now you need guys that can do a bunch of different stuff and that tends to be athletes. And so, yeah, if you can get a slot wide receiver, a quarterback, uh, even a safety or defensive back like Keaton Crawford, um, from this year's class was you know an over a thousand yard rusher at, at John Tyler. Um, you can use those guys in a bunch of different ways because you use multiple running backs. The days of only having 
you know, Ricky Williams in the background getting the ball 35 times are mostly gone. So you need some guys who can take 10 snaps over here, some guys who can take 10 snaps over there. And positional versatility, I think, is the most important thing in modern college football recruiting. You know, you need to recruit offensive tackles who can play guard. You need to recruit defensive tackles who can play defensive ends, safeties who can play corners. People who can play multiple positions are really important with how offenses use different personnel now. And so, yeah, I think there is more of a look into, okay, he may play a certain position in high school, but we don't want him there. And it's harder to rank those guys for for people like me, but you see the talent and you go, okay, he's one of the best players on the field. He's If he, if he gets that year or two to kind of learn a position, he can figure it out, whether it's at running back, wide receiver, defensive back, any, any of those positions. I think that's uh, going to wrap up our running back discussion for this fine Thursday. Before we get to linebackers. Did I hit the curveball? I, I think you hit it out of the park. Oh, okay, man. Home run hitter right there. Right. Um, we're going to stop and talk about defensive line for a quick second. Um, Mike uh, Landon Jackson is a four-star recruit that obviously a lot of people have heard about, has a lot of offers, draws a lot of attention on the recruiting a trail also draws a lot of attention from the media. Mike and a bunch of other uh, media, his media cohorts caught up with Landon recently, and uh, we're going to play back that interview right now before we start talking about linebackers. So tell me, what, what's kind of the message from the staff today and getting to meet some of the newer defensive coaches? Uh, it was really cool getting to finally meet all the new coaches because I, I basically knew a whole different staff besides Coach Giles and a few, a few other guys. But I really liked a lot of them, and they impressed me, and I liked what they showed me about the new fronts they're doing and everything and the way they're using their defense. Talking about that new fronts, is the four-man and stuff like that thing that's something that you like or mm-hmm. desire to yes, do? Sir. Yes, sir. I like that a lot. I didn't really like that. I honestly didn't like the three down a whole lot. That was one of the main things that wasn't really keeping Texas way up there anymore, but I like what they're doing now. I feel like it's really going to be uh, extremely productive. Still a great relationship with Coach Giles. Oh, yeah. How much you guys talk, and, and what, what do you guys talk about? Uh, I really I talked to him a lot today, and uh, it was really good to get to just catch up with them and everything. I haven't been down here in a while. Yeah. Going back to that kind of scheme, you know, where did they, you know, Coach Giles specifically talk to you about fitting in there? Uh, really just in like a nine technique a lot of the time on the tight end and then just the uh, like yeah mainly on the tight end and like you are back yeah yes sir and uh, last time i talked to you you were right saying you wanted to lock down before the season mm-hmm. so, so uh, yes, what are you planning on doing before then to come to the decision uh, i think i'm gonna go ahead and take all five of my officials and then uh i'm gonna most likely commit right before the season starts so i could just be boxed in and ready to go for my senior year. Can you think Texas would get one? Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. We talked about, you You know, you had a timeline of like mm-hmm. a top five in the summertime yeah. and then committing right before the center. So mm-hmm. you want to get these officials over with in the spring. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. Good. I'm going to start them in the spring, probably do about uh, two in the summer maybe, and then I'll be done. Do you know a couple of schools that are for sure going to be on that official list? I know for sure A&M, Texas, and then LSU. And then I'm pretty sure I'm going to go on the Ohio State and Washington, but I'm not too sure yet. What about the group of schools kind of separating? Uh, really just communication, how much they stay in contact with me. There's a lot of schools who say they want me, but don't contact me like these schools do and show that they really want me. So that's one thing I really like. I talked to you when you checked in in Orlando. Kind of, mm-hmm. what was that experience like? It was a great experience. I had a great time. I met a lot of a lot of new guys from like the Maryland area that I would have never met without that because I'm not I've never really been up there in that area. <laughs> so I met a lot of guys from Michigan, Maryland, California. It was great to get to meet them. There's a number of kids in this 2021 class that uh-huh. kind of 
stepped out as you know vocal leaders so far. Yes, have, has anyone specifically been in your ear so far about you know what makes Texas what it is? Like a recruit? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we got a group chat with a bunch of guys from Texas and Jalen Milrow, Jalen Milrow and Billy Bowman are both trying to get us all here. <laughs> uh-huh. What's their message to you kind of about, you know, have they said anything specifically about really just they could, like, it's about to change and it's about to get real, basically. Texarkana, you know, not a not a place that's, mm-hmm. you know, known for putting guys All-American games and stuff that's like right. that. Kind of, what's it like for you and Marcus to kind of carry that flag for that area? I mean, it's a great experience, especially to have somebody to be able to do it with me so I'm not just doing it by myself. And, I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad I have someone like him with me. To go on all these trips with everything. Do y'all compare notes and that kind of stuff? <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, quite a bit. And then we talk about some things that separate schools and stuff like that, and what our top, what my top schools are and his are. And Mike, if Landon Jackson ever does end up at Texas, one of his future teammates would be uh, Derek Harris Jr., the mm-hmm. linebacker from New Caney, who we heard from on last week's podcast. Uh, let's talk about linebackers and kind of where Derek and his future uh, teammates kind of fit into the Texas picture. Um, Derek is currently the only linebacker commit in this 2021 class. Um, on the roster in 2021, once again, if no one transfers or leaves early or you know, does whatever, you would conceivably have Juwan Mitchell, Marvin Overshawn, they'd be seniors. Um, Delhi would be a junior. Um, David Benda, Marcus Tillman, Prince Dorba would all be sophomores, assuming you know, Prince plays more than the four games uh, this upcoming season. Um, you know, with those names in mind, who's kind of um, Texas's top targets outside of Derek and holding on to his commitment for this uh, 2021 class? I think the guy we had on last week, Terrence Cooks, is probably the number one uh, linebacker target right now for, for them in 2021. He plays out of Alvin Shadow Creek, the same place that Xavier Offered, who was in 2020's class, uh, came from. And that, that South Houston Power just won a state championship in 5A, and they really want – uh, to get a pipeline in there. Uh, Cooks and, and Harris became really close on their visit here um, to UT here in January to kind of meet the new coaches. What's going to be interesting uh, to me with the linebacker stuff is kind of how this new staff recruits it. You know, I think they're going to take their time, go through the spring, and really do some evaluations because in this 4 system, I don't know if Derek Harris is a linebacker. You know, in the old staff's eyes, he was going to be because they ran that three-three stack. Um, with this one, I, I don't know. He's kind of like Prince Dorba. It's listed as a linebacker, uh, but with Chris Ash coming in here and doing uh, that outside position, kind of the Jack position that he's calling it. You know, maybe Dorba ends up there. Maybe Derek Harris is someone who ends up there. So we'll have to see how the the new st- coaching changes kind of impact what happens with linebackers because scheme is what in, what di- dictates whether if these guys are linebackers or defensive ends. And you were correct. Uh, Terrence Cook was last week's interview. Derek Harris was the week before. Um, oh. So we are linebacker friendly here on the <laughs> Confidential <laughs> Podcast. Uh, you kind of touched on it, but with this new Chris Ash defense, you know how important are linebackers and where do they kind of fit in their recruiting priority for Texas? Yeah, Texas has to get better at the linebacker position. You know, I think we saw a drop off after, you know, Malik left and then Gary Johnson took over and then Gary Johnson left and there just hasn't been a star to kind of fill that void. There hasn't been a guy like, you know, Murray at Oklahoma who just cleans up everything and is around the football. Texas hadn't had that in a couple of years and 
You know, they thought DeGabriel Floyd was going to be that guy. He, he has stenosis and had to give up football. So that was unfortunate for him and, and for the team. And they're really going to have to find linebackers. And what makes it hard to find linebackers is nobody plays it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you're either, you're either a big safety like DeMarion Overshone over what, or was, or they put you at defensive end like Prince Dorba was because it's just important to get after the passer. You just have very few stereotypical linebackers like you had 10 or 15 years ago. And so it becomes harder to recruit. You don't need those bruiser dudes that you needed, you know, like Steve Edmond and stuff like that. Now Terrence Cooks, I think he's 210 pounds, you know, maybe, and he's the number one target at linebacker. So it's finding guys who can play uh, different molds, that positional versatility we were talking about, and then just finding those albatrosses that just don't exist in football that, you know, still play linebackers. It's kind of like fullback, you know, it's just kind of going away. So if you're if you're a potential, you know, if you're you're a overbearing father who wants to make sure his kid, uh, you know, stars the next level, is that is that something you should be doing? If if you're a high, if you're a high school coach who has a defensive player who you think has potential, should you be playing having them play linebacker so they kind of stick out because it's easier to be you know stick out in a crowd of a small group of linebackers than it is a bunch of defensive backs, or is it just better with the way that Texas the way that football is played now that you put them, you know, at their best place to succeed and not worry about, you know, position recruiting. Yeah, I mean, I, I one of the things that annoys me most in recruiting is how many guys play wide receiver instead of cornerback and how many guys want to be running backs instead of linebackers. You know, like if you're uh, the eighth best running back in the state, you could probably be the second best linebacker in the state if you're willing to jump over there and play that position. Because like you said, you know, there's just the supply and demand. You know, there's just not many guys – who really play linebacker and have that physical ability to play within the box and the athleticism to get edge to edge and cover. So if I was a young running back or you know somebody with that body build, you know linebacker is not the most sexy position because you know how physical it is. You know, you know it's not not necessarily the you know it's not built for everyone. Uh, but if you have that mentality, linebacker is a spot you're going to get looks at because there's simply just not a ton of really good ones out there anymore with the addition of the spread offense. Okay, I think that's going to wrap up our podcast today. A good conversation on running backs, linebackers. Like we said, we talked about quarterbacks and defensive linemen last week. Um, if you want to look up that podcast, it, you can find that at hookem.com. Also on hookem.com. Mike Hess's dotted line column, which runs every every um, day during the week. Mike, what'd you write about this week? Uh, this stuff we're doing we're doing position stuff. Offensive line came out Tuesday, I believe. Defensive backs came out Wednesday. Uh, this morning on Thursday, it should be wide receivers, tight ends. So it's just you know laying the groundwork, letting everybody kind of see you know who the top targets are right now, and then uh, work the coverage towards a point of a spear. By the time we get to this point next year. Yep. And that is a tease because we'll be talking about some of those positions uh, next week. Um, but yeah, we're going to wrap things up here. Don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store and the Google Podcast app. We sure do appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in each week. The Longhorn Confidential Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. See you later. Peace.